We are Saints in the South, your source for gospel growth and good times. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Saints in the South, episode 177. We are late. Where did we go? Where have we been? Where did we go? We went to Youth Conference. (laughs) Went to to Youth Conference. That's right. Uh, We were some some chaperones. Uh, My wife and I were part of the chaperone group. Uh, Michael and his wife uh, representing the stake. His well, his wife representing the stake. I got to go because she's the stake. Because she's the president, and I just got to go by default. That's right. Yeah. Which. I admit openly <laughs> and freely because I had a blast. It's not what you know, it's who you know. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was so fun. So we apologize to our listeners because we were just wiped out. We just could not do, we just couldn't do it. We, we yeah. just had no more in us because not only was it fun physically and tiring physically, but we had a good time spiritually and the kids were fed and we were fed spiritually. And uh, that, that, when you get three full days of spiritual feeding, you get tired from that as well. That's right. Kind of zaps you. That's right. Uh, yeah, th- those there got to hear from uh, partially Saints in the South. Uh, on Thursday evening, they heard from Michael uh, in a devotional, on the plan of salvation. And then Friday morning, uh, I gave a little devotional uh, using uh, Nephi's bow, uh, the broken bow and everything uh, analogy. And, how we can liken the scriptures to our lives and everything and so forth. So, so we were, we were still, uh, we were still experiencing some gospel growth and good times there. Well, we were kind of podcasting just like to a select few audience. It was just a, you know, just a small group. (laughs) Yeah. So, so this one, we're going to keep this episode kind of short so we can get this one uh, out there uh, this week. We are going to uh, basically just kind of discuss uh, Saul's experience and his transition to Paul. Uh, So this is Acts chapter 6 through 9, and the title is, What Wilt Thou Have Me Do? And the Come Follow Me uh, opening statement says, If anyone seemed like an unlikely candidate for conversion, it was probably Saul, a Pharisee who had a reputation for persecuting Christians. So when the Lord told a disciple named Ananias to seek out Saul and offer him a blessing, Ananias was understandably hesitant. Lord, he said, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints. But the Lord knew Saul's heart and his potential, and he had a mission in mind for Saul. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Ananias obeyed, and when he found this former persecutor, he called him Brother Saul. If Saul could change to completely, if Saul could change so completely, Ananias could welcome him so freely, then should we ever consider anyone an unlikely candidate for change, including ourselves? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> most most Christians are familiar with uh, with with this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, either one of y'all want to give it a little overview. What's the overview, Kenny? Well. I mean, the basic overview is that you've got this guy, Saul, who was, um, he was a very, very, very motivated individual. Um, Saul, uh, apparently believed that he was doing the right thing because he, yeah, um, for sure, he believed in his heart 
And it's kind of it's kind of funny because that's not funny, but stuff like these stories do constantly remind me of modern day. Like there are there are Christians, you know, today who are very well meaning that believe that this new this new branch of these, you know, Mormons or they're, they're horrible and they're awful. And they're, you know, I, I have an obligation to God to, to set these people straight. And <laughs> Saul so, so, uh, believe they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saul believed he was doing the right thing. He really did. He was, I mean, he wasn't, um, you know, a bad person. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't motivated by greed. He wasn't motivated by, you know, impure, uh, motivations it was you know he he felt like he was he he had the true religion and he was worshiping uh the true god and these people who were worshiping this jesus were a perversion of of the the truth you know and so, he was and he was super zealous about it like oh yeah like, like put your shoulder to the wheel kind of like jump in now so absolutely absolutely and uh and as for Saul in uh, Acts 8, verse 3, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. So there was people, these people were, th- there was a lot of dedicated Christians, um, dedicated followers of, of the way. And this was before the word Christian had even really been coined. And we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But this is when the, uh, you know, those, are, for lack of a better word, they just called it the way because when Jesus was preaching among them, he called himself the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Saul was was persecuting these people. He was seeking them out. He was literally going into their houses and dragging them out, um, throwing them into prison. Um, there's, you know, historical records where it's widely believed that among those who went to prison, many were, uh, you know, uh, fed to the, or thrown to the lions, I guess, you know, there, um, in Rome, you know, in the Colosseum, you know, there was a, the, the sporting events and I've read other, uh, I've, I've read other historical accounts or people, um, have proposed that, that many of these early followers of Christ were, uh, part of the, the circuses in the uh, Colosseum where they were thrown to the lions, you know, they were torn apart by, wild lions and bears and things as part of the entertainment because you know they were they were so despicable you know that they because they had just they were they had such a perverse new religion that you know Saul felt justified in this but of course as the lord often does he uh he intervened and then Saul had his famous uh experience on the road to Damascus in which he was struck blind um and he uh, and Jesus spoke to him and, you know, he heard this. He was struck blind. He heard this voice and he was like, holy cow, uh, you know, and it's funny. He says he calls him Lord right away because he's like right away. He knew whatever was going on. This whoever this being was that was talking to him was somebody that he needed to show some respect to, which I thought was interesting. You know, he said, Saul, Saul, why, why thou persecutest me? And, um, let me think I'm trying to find, uh, his response, his response. Yeah. Where the, um, yeah. His response was who art thou Lord? Yeah. Who art thou? Yeah. I was, uh, and yeah, I couldn't find the exact verse, but, um, so then 
he uh so what does he tell him to do he tells him to uh to go see someone well the other cool uh, thing kenny i'm gonna jump in there real quick the other cool thing too is that um after he asks who out thou lord then then the lord reveals himself he says i am jesus of nazareth whom thou persecutest and i really like Saul's next response because it shows yeah. there it is. That, yeah, at, uh, uh, um, chapter nine, verse five. Yeah, you were yeah. exactly right. Yeah, because then it shows that he he was he did think that he was doing the right thing, and when he realized that Jesus is real, his response was, "What will thou have me do?" Yes. Yep, and then um, then in Acts uh, chapter nine, verse ten, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And this is this is where it really where it gets cool to me. This is a very interesting part where Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. So Ananias, this is a man with some, some tremendous faith because he knows he's like, listen, Lord, Lord, this. And it's almost like Jonah in a way, except, you know, Jonah was different because Jonah was just like, these people don't deserve to be forgiven. Ananias is like, Lord, this, this guy literally has the authority to throw me in prison, you know, and, and you know what he's been doing, you know what he's been doing to all of your people, the people who follow you. And, uh, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and Kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And then Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive mightest thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then immediately there fell, fell from his eyes that have been scales and uh, his sight forwith. Uh, he received his sight forwith and arose and was baptized. So that's a really cool story. Mm-hmm. This is a powerful story. This is a story of a guy like, okay, so you know that guy that's been going around? I mean, I, I, I try to, it's hard to think of something to compare it to. And I mean, I, I know this is a really sensitive, but the closest thing I can compare it to would be in, you know, World War Germany, you know, World War II Germany, you know, when, when the, you know, the Nazis were hunting out the Jews. I could imagine if the Lord spoke to one of the Jews said, hey, this Nazi, this Nazi general, you know, that's been dragging y'all to the prison camps. He's he he prayed, and I want you, I want you to heal him. You know, because Saul was literally, he was, yeah, he he was causing great, just great misery among the followers of Christ. Yeah, but the the thing that really has jumped out to me with this story is that it gets back to um, Saul's. In, intent right so he thinks he's doing yeah. the right thing he's he's really continuing to implement the law of moses right is, oh, yeah. is, is, isn't that basically what what he's doing mm-hmm. you know oh yeah uh, he does yeah but so to, for those 
those who are calling upon the name of Jesus, though, all they know is that he's literally going into their houses and dragging them out and throwing them into prison. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so it, it sounds evil, right? Yeah. Because because we, we put ourselves on the side of, of the Christians, the, 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 yes. the believers in Christ, right? So it's like, okay, this guy is up to no good and his heart isn't pure. That's the way it comes across. Yes. But, but as, we, as we dig deeper and, and study this a little more, we understand, okay, Saul believed he, he was trying to follow God mm-hmm. and follow his commandments yeah. and do what he, would, do what he thought was, was right according to basically the, the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. And then he discovers, okay, this whole Jesus thing is real. Okay. And, and that's, why he imme- that's why he can immediately say, Lord, what would thou have me do? Right. Uh, so, and, and I know it's hard to think of something to, to compare. I do think the Hitler comparison is a little extreme just because I don't think Hitler was, I don't think he had pure intentions. I don't think he was trying to follow God. Wasn't talking about necessarily Hitler himself, but there were, you know, a, there were German soldiers during that time that felt like that they were, they were doing the right thing. They were doing things that needed to be done for the betterment of, of the human right. race. Yeah. You know, they were, they were big picture thinkers. The Nazis were big picture thinkers. They were like, you know what? It, it, it sucks that, you know, we might have to, you know, be, be cruel to, to some people, but in the end, we're going to, we're going to make the thing. world a better place and we're going to yeah. create a utopia and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So, in, in, in that sense that that's what Saul was doing. Yeah, he he was right. yeah, and and all I was really trying to comment on though was the faith of Ananias because Ananias right. really, I mean, this that would be terrifying. You know, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, how scary that would have had to have been for Ananias to be obedient in that because he, I mean, he he hesitated for just a second. You know, he just was like, Lord, wait a minute, you know this, guy, you know the evil he's been doing. You want me to go to him? And the Lord's like, Yeah. Yeah, I want you to go to him. I'm going to use him. He's he's going to be a great tool in my hand. He's going to he's going to preach to the Gentiles and Ananias. What's he do? He says okay, and he does it. And he he goes in. I mean, he had to have been wondering. There had to have been a, a little a, a shimmer of of fear there. I can't I can't imagine him going into that situation without a little bit of hesitancy. Like this is literally the man. This man yes. could literally just throw me in prison. You know, yeah. well, I, I think his statement showed that there was some hesitancy, you know, yeah, because he didn't but say, he, OK, hey, I'm on my way. You know, he's like, oh, oh OK, Lord, but, you, you know, know. <laughs> but then he did it right. But then yeah. he was obedient. And that's yeah, just, yeah. Ananias is one of those heroes of the Bible to me that we uh, we don't talk about a lot. But um, yeah, yeah, he he was facing some major potentially dangerous situation. And he went and, of course, you know, Saul, you know, regained his sight and he was baptized. And from that point on, he became known as Paul and he became one of the greatest. We know it's today one of the one of the greatest Christians of all time. He became the author of um, a good percentage of what we have as the New Testament today. Right. And was correct if if I'm wrong, but he was he was never officially ordained an apostle. Right? No, he's I, not. I think so. Yeah, he wasn't. Was not an apostle. <laughs> he, he was not an apostle. Um, however, he was. Um, he was like an assistant to the Quorum of the Twelve. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah, he, he wasn't like completely unrecognized. Yeah, but he right, was. He right. was not one of the apostles, and that to this day is kind of I think a lot of the uh, the the tension 
between um, on one hand, you have like us, you have the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you have like the Catholics, you have the, the, bran the branches of Christianity that believe in priesthood authority. And then you have the Protestants, on the other hand, that, you know, have believe the, the belief in the, you know, the priesthood of all believers. And so there even there, even during this time, there was there there was times where there's a little bit of friction between Peter and Paul, because Peter was Peter was the one that Jesus Christ himself laid his hands on his head and ordained him and said, you are you are in charge. Right. You are in my stead. You are in charge of my church here on the earth. And then you've got Peter. Who you know, he had this experience, but you, you know, for Paul, everyone else, Paul, all, Paul, all they yeah. know was just his personal his personal yeah, story. Paul. You know, it's like, hey man, Jesus spoke to me on the road, and you know, you can imagine some people like, uh, how do we know that? Right, <laughs> that's right. So Paul was probably like, you know, president of the Quorum of Seventy. <laughs> There you go. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. That's right. And, you know, and, and he had he had yeah. his opinions and you could tell from the scriptures that there are some times that he did not have the same opinion as Peter and disagreed on some things. But ultimately, you know, Peter, Peter was the chief apostle. Yeah. Yep. So what's our uh, as we close out this episode, what's our what, what's our takeaways from, from what, what, what do we learn? How, how do we apply Saul's experience to our lives? Oops. I see obedience and we didn't, and we didn't mention it, but also another big thing in this is Stephen, you know, mm -hmm. Stephen was, was the first, you know, to be officially martyred, you know, the martyred, first of the right. apostles to be officially martyred to, to have lost his life um, because of his, his allegiance and his, his faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and he, he went to it willingly, you know, he, he didn't back down. Um, Ananias didn't back down. Um, Saul, once, you know, he had his experience with Christ on the road to Damascus, he didn't back down. And, you know, for, and that's another thing too, for Saul, you got to imagine that he was in a really tough position after this because a lot of people, you know, all of us, he's been this great hero of the, the faith, you know, for like the people on the, you know, the, the Jewish side, the anti, you know, Christ follower side. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he's like preaching Jesus. He's doing the thing that he's literally been throwing people in prison. Right. And people are looking at him like, dude, what's wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? You know? <laughs> so, so he faced a lot of persecution himself because he come, he became the thing that he had been fighting so hard against, you know, in the eyes of others. That's right. Uh, Michael, what's the scripture? Counted worthy. Counted worthy to um, suffer shame for his name. There you go. That's a, yeah, that's, that's right. exactly what I was thinking. Yep. The other thing, too, that I thought the parallels that I was trying to make is even in the scriptures, you really don't have an experience like that. Because if you look at um, Alma the Younger and the Sons of Mosiah, you know, they knew they was doing wrong. Yeah. No right. doubt. They knew that they were persecuting the church. And right. they, they did it out of spite, out of rebellion. So they had a similar experience, but and, and they turned around for sure. But it wasn't like that they weren't like Paul or, you know, whose name was Saul first. But they weren't like him where he, they thought that they were doing right. And then you look at Laman and Lemuel. You know, how many times did they have visitations? You know, and, and when they had that visitation, their, their next statement wasn't, what would you have us do? It was like, yeah, but he's mm -hmm. a young brother. 
That's right. Always yeah. making us mad. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's a very unique experience, even from the scriptures, you know, where you have a, a person that was just completely zealous, thought that they were doing what's right, but once realized that they weren't, just, just like that, flipped it around. He you focused know. all that energy back in the in, yeah. in the right and he, direction. He kept that exact. You're right, Kenny. He kept that, that exact same that pure, same energy, high energy. Yeah, and, and yep. put it where where it needed to be. As yeah, as the kids say today, that same energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. So my takeaway on that is that, you know, um, you know, we we may look at others, and we're thinking, man, there's there's no way they would ever be converted. Right. Um, just, I like, man, I do not want to talk to this person or it may be different or, you know, maybe you're, maybe you go to a Sunday school class and there's always that one person that seems to always argue with you. And no matter what you say, they have something contrary to say. And you're, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to go to the Sunday school class anymore. And I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, that could be something, but you know, I think the thing to keep in mind from all this is that everybody can change and that this advantage that we have as humans, we don't get to look on others' hearts, right? Right. That's right. So it's even more important that we are very careful in how we judge. I'm not saying we don't judge. I'm just saying it's very careful in how we judge because we don't have the whole story. And yeah. so... We just need, you know, we just need to give each other a break and and give ourselves a break. Even the people who argue with us in the Facebook groups. <laughs> Do we have some of those? There's a lot of toxicity there. Oh, is there? Oh, I, I, I guess I didn't notice. That's the... No, I, not not specifically with our with, with our group. Oh, okay. not our group. Yeah. Oh, that's what I took it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Some of the, uh, you know, there that's there's like, wow, a, there's a different. lot of groups, um, yeah, on Facebook where there's you know these civil debate groups suppose where people are just i've 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 left some of them i used to be in some of them i, I left sure. them because they're i mean people are just plump ugly just mean spirited just it's yeah nothing and, constructive and, and but the thing sure. is even even the most hateful mean-spirited people you know we never know like they could still they, change they know? can have their own road yeah. to damascus and, experience. and we just need to make sure that that we're not contributing you know yeah. to that you know being mean back know being which i fight with daily <laughs> i fight with daily me so. too well we will end it right there uh, again apologize for being a little bit late but until next time y'all keep on striving mm -hmm.